Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. We don't enjoy uncertainty. We enjoy certainty. We enjoy a conviction that things are the way we expect them to be. There was a Dutch experiment where researchers took two groups of people. Uh, the one group of people, they told that they will experience 20 strong shocks. The second group, they told that they will receive 17 light shocks and three strong shocks. What was the result of this experiment? Well, the subjects in the second group, they sweated more. They had faster heart rates and the uncertainty caused great discomfort and stress uh, and a great intensity in other places that wasn't electrical shocks. All because they were uncertain about what was going to happen next. Uncertainty does that to us. It makes us stress and worry about all kinds of things. Carl Sagan famously wrote, Many years ago, so the story goes, a celebrated newspaper publisher sent a telegram to a noted astronomer. Wire collect immediately 500 words on whether there is life on Mars. The astronomer dutifully replied, nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows, 250 times. But despite this confession of ignorance, asserted with dogged persistence by an expert, no one paid any heed. And from that time to this, we hear authoritative pronouncements by those who think they have deduced life on Mars and those who think they have excluded it. Some people very much want there to be life on Mars. Others very much want there to be no life on Mars. There have been excess in both camps. These strong passions have somewhat frayed the tolerance for ambiguity that is essential to science. There seem to be many people who simply wish to be told an answer, any answer, and thereby avoid the burden of keeping two mutually exclusive possibilities in their heads at the same time. Life does seem simpler when we don't have to hold two or more ideas or possibilities of the same thing being true at the same time. Nobody knows is probably the worst answer when it comes to our constant questions of what does the future hold? What is my purpose? What is the meaning of life? And, and those kind of big, pivotal questions. We fear being caught of God. We fear being in a position of not knowing what to do. That's to a great extent why we make great plans, why we, we, we go to great lengths to do safety and security measures around our houses. It's why we have the many insurances that we have. We fear a day when we don't know what's going to happen next. We're afraid when reality, without warning, just suddenly proves different or other or more or less than what we thought it was going to be. That's, that's the point where unhealthy fear suddenly sets in. 
Anxiety takes hold, all because we don't know what's going to happen next. But the question is, did we ever really know what was going to happen next? Have we ever had it covered in any way, shape, or form? This question, what's going to happen next? In, we translate a word from Hebrew to English uh, called shalom. Uh, we translate it as peace, but in the original language, it actually means complete or whole. And th- isn't this just something that we long for? C- completeness and wholeness in, in all things. Because when things are complete and whole, they are predictable. They are easy to anticipate. They are complete from the beginning, aren't they? It was John Wesley who said, when I was young, I was sure of everything. In a few years, having been mistaken a thousand times, I was not half so sure of most things as I was before. At present, I'm hardly sure of anything but what God has revealed to me. In the Hebrew scriptures, the word fear isn't left alone uh, often. In fact, the word fear is frequently used in a way that means so much more. And the biblical stock term for this is the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord happens when God suddenly reveals himself to someone, um, especially in the Old Testament, between its characters. It's also a term that's used when when someone cultivates an awareness of the presence of God and God reveals himself to them. You see this phrase, the fear of the Lord, uh, is something that that is produced in them. There is a revelation in all of these cases that, that we are not the center of existence, that there is a bigger realization that we are not the sum total of all that matters. Solomon knew this well, and so he wrote about the fear of the Lord quite often. Uh, Let's look at two places where he did that. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 2 says, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. Solomon knows that the fear of the Lord keeps us on our toes. It keeps us fully awake with with our eyes open, ready to receive whatever life has for us next. Next, At all times, we're aware of what's going on, what's going on around us, because we don't want to miss a thing. See, the fear of the Lord prevents us from thinking we know it all. It prevents us from closing our minds to possibilities that weren't there before, that were unclear and uncertain. The fear of the Lord prevents us from acting presumptuously, from thinking that we know, things that we don't know. And then when we do that, we lose out on the beauty. We lose out on the truth. We lose out on the goodness because we don't recognize something 
or we don't understand something or because things are unclear. The fear of the Lord has us living right at the edge of being alive, right at the edge of being fully alive, but it has this amazing quality to it. It's living right on the edge, but the fear, the scary bit, that's removed. It's being fully alive with the scary bits deleted right out of it. See, the fear of the Lord is a requirement if we want to negotiate uncertainty well. Uh, How do we get through uncertainty? How do we cultivate this fear of the Lord? Well, we'll talk about this in a little bit. But the truth is, we all face uncertainty. And and we don't know how to get through it. And we think that we won't. We all fear that there's a chance that we'll never get out of this uncertainty that we're currently facing. We'll never see the end of the depression. We'll never see light at the end of the tunnel. We'll never hear an end to the yelling. We'll never see a gray sky brighten. And we'll never feel this burden on our backs lighten. We feel stuck, we feel uh, (laughs) trapped, we feel locked in. We feel predestined for failure at times. The question is, will we ever get out of this pit? I love this quote from Max Licata. He wrote, Deliverance is to the Bible what jazz music is to Mardi Gras. It's bold, it's brassy, and it's everywhere. You see, to God, (laughs) deliverance is bold, brassy, and everywhere because that's who He is. God is in the deliverance business. We have 66 books compiled together called the Bible where God tells these wonderful stories of Him delivering those who who live lives surrendered to Him over and over and over again. See, For Daniel, it was deliverance from the lion's den. For Paul, it was deliverance from shackles. For Peter, it was deliverance from prison. For Jonah, it was deliverance from the belly of a whale. For David, it was deliverance out of the shadow of Goliath. For the disciples, it was deliverance from the storm. For the lepers that Jesus interacted with, it was deliverance from their illness. For Thomas, it was deliverance from his doubts. And for Lazarus, it was deliverance from the grave. When we hear all this, and this is just such a small part of of the greater narrative of of God's deliverance for his people. If you go and read all all these accounts, you quickly find that God's favorite word seems to be through taking people through things, not leaving them on one side or ripping them out on this side and throwing them down on the other side. No, no, he goes through things with us. God goes through the Red Sea with the Israelites. He goes through the wilderness with these people. David encourages and tells us that he goes through the valley of the shadow of death with us. He even tells us later that God goes through the deep sea with us. I am convinced that through might just be God's favorite word. 
for more evidence of this, God speaks to Isaiah and through Isaiah to his people. And he says the following, when I go through, sorry, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of opposition, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Like I said, I strongly believe that through might just be God's favorite word. Now, you're sitting there, you're listening in the car, you're hearing me say this, and, and, and you're saying to yourself, well, where do I even start? What's step one of getting to know this fear of the Lord, of, of getting to trust this God of deliverance, the, the, this God that goes with me through whatever I might face so that uh, I can get through this uncertainty, this not knowing, this sometimes hell of uncertainty in me. Well, I want to say that it's something that seems counteractive, but it really, really produces fruit. I want to tell you that you need to practice to be still. I want to tell me that I need to practice to be still. What do I mean by that? Well, Moses had just led the Israelites um, out of slavery. They'd just come out of Pharaoh's house, pretty much, out of Pharaoh's country. And, and he's leading them towards the Red Sea. And as they get to the shore, they realize that Pharaoh is chasing after them. And the people look around at Moses and they are stressed. They are uncertain. They are anxious and they are worried. And he answers them when they ask, what do we do next? And he says the following in Exodus 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Our natural reaction is not to be still. Our natural reaction is to plan more, to, to hold on to things harder, uh, to relentlessly jump between anxiety and despair in our minds. Uh, being still, man, that's not a natural reaction. You see, the, the next problem in, in, in the stress, in these troublesome moments is that it's like your brain starts shutting down important processes. It's like it impairs our ability to solve problems. It impairs our ability to pay attention. It impairs our ability to be flexible. And it all causes us to be irrational and make irrational decisions. We become prone to anxiety, depression, and stress and, and the like. And that's why we need to fix our minds on what matters so that our hearts can center on God's truth. I want to say that again, that we fix our minds on what matters, so that our hearts can center on God's truth. Being still is a discipline that takes continual practice. But this act of stillness, it sharpens our senses. Uh, it's blind people being able to hear better, and smell better, and taste better. If we keep quiet, we allow our spirits and our hearts and our minds to focus in on what's important, to focus in on God, to become flexible, to hear His voice in the worst of circumstances. So how do I practice 
being still? Well, it's a three-part thing. We acknowledge our limitations, we lay down our expectations, and we pick up God's declarations. In acknowledging our limitations, we take a couple of minutes and we spend it paying attention to what we're feeling, to the emotions that we are going through, and we acknowledge them. And if it's fear, we say, Lord, I am afraid. And it's, if it's depression, if you just see this dark hole next to your bed when you wake up in the morning, you tell God that, Lord, I am depressed and I'm not seeing a way out. You give yourself permission to not be okay. Because so often we, we live these pretend lives of always being okay. And I think that's more taxing than actually just acknowledging that, hey, I'm having a hard time and having some people love you, having God love you. Give Him your intrusive, anxious thoughts and break the cycle that it has over you. And allow your brain to develop new ways to think about these things. It's, it's amazing when we hear ourselves saying, I am afraid. It's like your brain gives you a chance to get out of your fear. But when we keep it inside, we, it's kind of like we've locked it up and we don't allow our brains to find ways out, good ways out. It's God that encourages us in Psalm 46 where he says, Be still and know that I am God. That's where we just get to acknowledge our limitations. The next step here is to lay down our expectations. What's currently causing you to feel anxious, to feel sad or afraid? I want to say to you that this might be weird, but have a box in your hand. It can be an imaginary one. But imagine yourself putting whatever's making you uh, stressed, whatever's making you anxious or depressed, and see yourself putting it in that box and handing that box over to God, allowing Him to take hold of it so that you're not holding it and so that He can take care of it. Then there's a small prayer. Lord, will you replace whatever I've given to you with your promises over my life? Will you fill the space that that anger, depression, fear, emotion has left in my heart? And will you fill that space with the truth of your word? And allow God to fill that space with the truth of his word. Now, I say that like you do it once in the morning and everything's great for about a week. No, it doesn't work that way. No, we, sometimes we need to do that every three minutes until we believe it, until it's become part of who we are. But laying down our expectations of taking care of things ourselves is, is freeing, and it gives us liberty to live in the truth and the freedom that God gives us through His Word. The last step here is to pick up God's declarations, that promise that He has replaced the, 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 the emotion with. I want to say, Clothe yourself with that promise. Hold on tight to what God has to say to you and to say about you and to say about your situation. Make that part of who you are and may everybody see it as you walk out into the world. That God calls you His and precious and His child, that He takes care of you, 
And remember that he goes with you through whatever you might be facing. Hold on to what he tells you. Now, some days it might feel like God has a lot to say and you can't keep up writing. Other days, it's like he's a bit quiet. Now, both are normal. Both are natural fluctuations in a healthy relationship. Experience it. Be part of it. But allow this new rhythm to change the way that you think so that you can move out of uncertainty and, and focus on what God has for you at all times. Whatever you face in the weeks to come, may you remember that nothing you experience is uncertain to God. He was at work in the past. He is here in our present and He holds the future in His loving hands. Hold fast to the promises that He has given you and trust that He is good and caring and that He is going with you through whatever you might be facing. So what is your next step? Is it to cultivate that fear of the Lord, remembering that it's knowing God more personally and intimate, intimately, that it's fear with the scary element removed? Do you need to remember that God carries us through? He carries us through our circumstances, through the waters, through the rivers, through the fires, because that's what He does. That's who He is. And thirdly, do you need to cultivate this practice of being still? Being still and knowing that God loves you, that He cares for you, and that He helps you and He loves you at all times. Let me pray with you. Lord, we thank you that we can be here today. We thank you for how your words are spoken into our hearts today, Lord. And whatever our next steps might be, Lord, I thank you that you come alongside us, that you walk with us through whatever we might be facing. And Lord, when our emotion seems more real than life itself, Lord, will you come and you help us to bring the reality and the truth of you and your word to every single situation, that we're not overcome by things that aren't true, but that we are carried by you, by your word, by your truth, by the truth of your word in everything that we do, that we might get to know you more and that that fear of the Lord, that fear that, that brings us right to the edge of living, to the, ex the edge of existence, Lord, where we're supposed to be so afraid but the scary element is removed and we know that we can trust our Father in those moments. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.